Well, happy birthday, everybody. As Jake has said, this Wednesday's 14 years, which is amazing to me because we weren't sure. It's worth clapping for. We weren't sure we were going to make it 14 months. And so, you know, to look back over the past 14 years and see what God has done is so exciting. And if you're new with us, you came on a great Sunday because today we're talking about some of the exciting things that God has for us over the next few years. So God's given us a big vision that he wants us to fulfill, and it's called Imagine. And so today we're in part two of that series. And if you're new, I think today will help you hear the heartbeat of our God and the heartbeat of our church. And just in case you might be here exploring faith or maybe you've joined us online and you're new to faith or you're trying to figure out what this whole faith is, maybe you don't have a relationship with God yet. I'm glad you're here because in today's message, you're going to hear what God thinks about you, what he feels about you, and what he's doing for you. And I guarantee you, it's different than what you think God thinks about you, what you think God feels about you, and what you think God's doing for you. So uh, if you're new, if you're not connected to faith yet, you came in a great Sunday. Everybody else came in a great Sunday as well, okay? So just making sure I'm talking to everybody, all right? So we're all here on a great Sunday as we talk about the exciting stuff that God has for us. Now, if you did not get our Imagine folder, so if you were, weren't here last week or you, you didn't get a chance to grab one of these, they're at the back of each seating section. I encourage everybody to grab one. Uh, in it, you'll see a brochure that tells you about the history of our church and the next vision that God has for us. You'll see we've got some key dates that are important to get on your calendar. We've got a prayer guide that will guide you in how to pray throughout this series. There are some intention cards in there that we'll talk about over the next few weeks together. This is a great spot to keep your spiritual growth challenge that we hand out each week to keep it all in one spot. And we'll be giving out some more information as you'll see today. And this is a great spot to kind of keep it all in one place. So make sure you grab one of those before you head out if you don't have one. Now, can anybody remind me what these letters mean? Yes. Oh, man, you were paying attention. And if you're new, wondering why we sprung a leak, we didn't spring a leak there. Uh, this is actually represents the vision that God has given us. And I'll talk about that in just a second. But when you're trying to get somebody's attention, we often say, like, you know, just kind of quietly trying to get their attention. I think God is trying to get our attention. Psst, imagine what I can do in you and through you. The P stands for pursue. The S stands for serve. The T stands for teach. And so here's what that looks like in full sentences. So uh, we have three initiatives with our imagined vision. The first is to pursue our community, to let them know that God is for them. The second is to serve our community by meeting more physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual needs of people in our community. And then number three is to teach our community how to live in a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ and build our permanent church home to help us serve our community better. So those are our three initiatives that we are after uh, in this series. And today we're going to start with the first one there of pursuing our community. And as we begin, I'd just love for you to start thinking about the many things that you have pursued in your life. So if you go back in your life to when you were younger, you might you know, go back and remember like, hey, there was a time I was pursuing friendships. There was a time maybe you were pursuing toys or activities that, that you really wanted and you really wanted to, to be a part of. As we grow older and you know, we start pursuing maybe education, maybe athletics, uh, maybe we pursue a career, maybe we pursue relationships, maybe we pursue things that we know we shouldn't pursue. 
Anybody ever pursued something here like, should never have done that, never been involved in that thing, never should have pursued that person? I think we all know what that's like. But in our lives, we pursue everything from achievements to relationships to money to hobbies to education to to power to possessions. I even hear there are people who spend large amounts of time, energy, and money pursuing a full head of hair. (laughs) I, I don't know why anybody would want to do that, but there are people out there that do that. So our world is full of people pursuing things, some good things and some bad things. And when we decide to pursue something, when we think something is worth pursuing, just think what we do. Like we give our time, our talents, our treasures to pursuing those things because we think that thing in that moment is important and we want to obtain it. So it gets top priority in our world when we're trying to pursue something. And here's an interesting thought. You can tell a lot about a person by what they pursue. You can tell a lot about a person by what they pursue. You can tell uh, what's important to them. You can tell what they're willing to do to obtain that thing. Again, you can tell a lot about a person by what they've chosen to pursue in their lives. Now, when it comes to faith, when it comes to God, the, the Bible actually tells us that God is pursuing something. Something has all of God's attention that he is willing and he is engaging in pursuing that thing with all of his time, all of his treasure, all of his resources, all of his energy, something has God's focus. And today we're gonna talk about that because again, you can learn a lot about someone by what they choose to pursue. So we don't have to wonder what God is pursuing because actually Jesus tells us that in Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, verse one starts like this. It says, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. And this made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So if you're new to the Bible, the the word Pharisee and the the term for religious teacher, a teacher of religious law, those were the religious leaders in Jesus' day. And uh, they were the professional God followers. They they would be your priests. They would be your pastors in the context of what we kind of understand today. And they were kind of arrogant and uh, kind of full of of themselves. They had kind of an ego and they would only hang out with certain people. They wouldn't hang out with someone who didn't look like them, act like them, vote like them, dress like them. They would never do that. And Jesus was doing that. And so that frustrated these religious leaders. And so basically they're asking Jesus, why would you spend time with those people? So to answer that question, Jesus told them three stories. Verse four, Jesus said, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. And when he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. And I'm sure Uh, Jesus' audience, those religious leaders, hearing Jesus in that moment would have said, yep, Jesus, that's what any of us would do in that situation. But then Jesus blew their minds with the next thing he said in verse seven. He said, in the same way, in the same way as one of us would go find a lost sheep that, that left the fold, we had 100 and one of them left and we'd leave 99, we'd go after the one. In that same way, 
There is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. At that point, I'm sure Jesus' audience would have said like, wait a minute, time out, Jesus. Like, are you saying that God gets more excited about one lost sinner, one person who went off on their own path and did their own thing and it was the wrong thing, they walked away from God. Are you saying that God is more excited when that person turns and comes back to God than the rest of us who are always doing the right stuff and we didn't stray away? Are you saying God is more excited about that person? Before they could ask that question, Jesus told them another story. In verse eight, Jesus said, or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call in her friends and neighbors and say, rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. And in verse 10, Jesus said, in the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. So think for a moment about who is in the presence of God's angels. It is actually God who is in the presence of God's angels. So Jesus was saying, it's God who gets excited when one sinful person turns from their sin and turns to him. Now, before Jesus' audience could object to what he was saying, he told them another story about a dad with two sons, an older son who did everything right and a younger son who did everything wrong. And Jesus, in this story, this parable, uh, he said, one day the, the younger son came to his dad and said, dad, like, I just want my inheritance now. I just want to go live my life. I don't want to stay here at home. I want to go do my own thing, which basically meant that son was saying to his dad, dad, your stuff is more important to me than you are. I wish you were dead so I could have your stuff. So a major statement. I mean, put yourself in that context. If any of my four kids came to me and said that, I'd say, sucks to be you. You're out of the will. <laughs> but in this story, this dad divided his wealth amongst his sons. So he gave his older son his portion of the wealth. He gave his younger son his portion of the wealth. The older son stayed home and kept doing the right things. The younger son went off and lived a wild life and ended up broke rather quickly. And at the bottom of the barrel, he came to his senses and he decided, I'm going to go home. And I'm going to beg my father's forgiveness. And I know my dad probably won't take me back into the family, but maybe he'll just let me live like a servant in my home. So we headed home. And Jesus said his dad saw him coming. So that means his dad was looking for him. So his dad saw him coming. And when he saw him coming, he ran to him. He grabbed him. He hugged him. And he told his servants before his son could fully say, dad, I'm sorry, I blew it. Before he could fully get that out of his mouth, his dad said to his servants, go get some clothes for my son. Bring the family ring. We are going to throw the biggest party we have ever thrown because my son who was lost is now found. Powerful story. I encourage you to read the rest of that in Luke chapter 15 later today. So I'm not going to get into more of those details right now, but I want to tell you the bottom line of why Jesus was telling those three stories. Jesus told those, told those stories to make it clear that God spends all of his time, his energy, his resources pursuing people who are spiritually lost. And he does that because those people are so valuable 
to him. So let that sink in for just a minute. The creator of the universe, the holy one of heaven, is spending all of his time, his energy, his focus, and his resources pursuing people who are spiritually lost. I don't know if you've ever felt spiritually lost before, but the reality is we've all been spiritually lost. And maybe you feel like, you know what? Like, I don't know enough about the Bible. I'm spiritually lost. Like, maybe you feel like, you know, I've done too many bad things in my life. God really doesn't care about me, or he he could never love me after what's happened to me, or what I've chosen to do in my life. If you feel that way, you need to know that God is spending all of his time, his resources, his energy pursuing you, because you are that important to him. So you are who God is pursuing. So tell the person sitting next to you, you must be important. Tell the person that you didn't turn to first that you must be important as well. Don't forget that person. All right, now, now maybe some of you would say, well, you know what, I don't feel spiritually lost. Like, you know, I've been a Christ follower for a long time. Like, I've grown up kind of in a faith system. Like, I've always tried to do the right things. And again, the reality is we have all been spiritually lost. Even people who try to live perfect lives and always try to do the right things are spiritually lost if we think our behavior makes us right with God. That's one of the points that Jesus was making to these religious leaders, because they thought their behavior made them right with God. And that's why they were looking at those sinful people saying, we are better than they are. God loves us. He doesn't love them. And so Jesus was saying to them, you are just as spiritually lost as that son who ran off to to do his own thing. Actually, you're probably more spiritually lost because you don't recognize that you're spiritually lost. So the reality is, We've all been spiritually lost. We can't earn a relationship with God. It's something that we can only receive because of his grace and what he has done for us. So again, Jesus was saying, God spends all this time, his energy, his resources pursuing us so we can have a relationship with him. That's a summary of the Bible, and that's the vision of our church. So if you're new with us, the vision of our church is this. We want to be a church for people who don't do church. Now, if you're new, you might be here today looking around and you might say, it seems like we're doing church. Like, what what does that mean? Okay, so let me explain. It has two parts. So the first part is this. We don't want to do church. I grew up in church world, and much of my experience was about doing. It was checking off boxes. It was about attendance. It was about wearing the right clothes. It was about singing the right songs. It was about knowing the right Bible verses. And often, from my experience and some of the people that I knew, our experience was Sunday was very different than the rest of the week. On Sunday, we would go do church, and then we would do our lives. However, we chose to do that the rest of the week. There was often a disconnect between Sunday and our lives. So when we get wrapped up in that, we get wrapped up in doing church. But God doesn't want us to do church. He wants us to be the church for each other and for our community. So that's the first part of our vision. We want to be the church for Flagler County. The second part of that is that we are after people who don't do church. And maybe you're here on campus today and that's you. Maybe you're watching online and that's you. And if you were to be invited to church and and, uh, your response might typically, typically be like, no thanks, like I don't do church. 
And maybe today you stumbled in here because you saw the word epic and you thought you were going to the movie theater and you're like, what in the world's going on here? This is church. I was, you know, tricked into this. Or maybe a friend like baited you with lunch or something. So hopefully it's a good lunch after you came. But we're after people who don't do church. It affects everything we do. The songs that we sing, the clothes that we wear, the way that we engage our community. It affects everything in our church family and how we operate as a church. Why? Because Jesus said he came to seek and save those who are lost. Our mission as a church is to seek and save those who are lost. Pursue people and help people be found by Jesus. Over the past 14 years, we have passionately been pursuing people who are lost in our community and beyond. And I told you last week, we've seen at least 966 people put their faith and trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior and be found spiritually by him. That's exciting. That's exciting. And through our imagined vision, God is asking us to focus even more of our time, our attention, our resources on that. So initiative number one of our imagined vision is for us to pursue our community to let them know that God is for them. And you think about people who are in that kind of spiritually lost category, do they think God is for them? Many people in that category don't. They think if God exists, he hates them. He's upset with them. Uh, they've, they've done something wrong and he's so disappointed in how they've chosen to live that many people don't understand that God is for them. And for them to understand that, we have to pursue them. We have to pursue them to let them know that. So here, here's how we plan to pursue our community to let them know that God is for them. So we have three steps to this. So step number one is to expand our four flagler serving opportunities. And again, if you're new, we have some serving opportunities that we do all year long that are based on our four flagler vision. We want our community to know that God is for them. So in October, coming up this next month and in, in the spring, we hold what we call a 3G event. It's based on our five Gs, which is our spiritual growth process, which starts with God, gather, grow, give, go. And we take three of those Gs, gather, give, and go. And on that day, we don't talk about doing church we go into our community to be the church. We send hundreds of us into the community on that Sunday and then on that Saturday in the spring to serve our community and projects all over Flagler County. And so that's serving on a large scale in our community. So what we wanna do is we want to expand our four Flagler serving opportunities by strengthening our current partnerships that we have and identifying new partnerships that will help us serve our community on an even bigger scale. So we're in the process of doing that right now. Now, the second part of our initiative is to mobilize relief teams to meet more physical needs of people in our community. And I think we all understand that uh, we're living in a time where the real needs of people in our community are, are going at an all-time all high. So there are legitimate real needs out there and we wanna help meet those needs. So we are mobilizing relief teams that can go out and serve on a smaller scale. So when you talk about our first initiative, our first step is to serve on a large scale as a church family. And then step number two is to serve on a, a smaller scale through relief teams that can go out and serve one family in their time of need. One elderly couple who might need cleanup after a hurricane rolls through. One single parent who's struggling at their home. They've got some plumbing issues or electrical issues they can't quite figure out. And they 
They don't have the resources to figure that out. So we want to identify those needs and then send out smaller teams that can minister to those people in their times of, of need. And the cool thing is some of you are already on those teams. And Rookie Coin, our local missions director, is doing a great job of organizing that. And there are projects that are on their way and they're, they're beginning to happen right now. Some of you are going through that training. Um, another exciting thing is under the leadership of Sarah Jones, our national and international missions director. And we have a team that's going to the Gulf Coast in the first week of October to serve in hurricane cleanup after Hurricane Idalia came through. So we have a team, there's a, a group of people here on our national relief team that are going over there to serve first week of October. That's exciting. That's what step number two looks like for us. Step number three is for us to expand our Faith for Flagler Schools initiative. And if you're not aware, about two and a half years ago, we started an Adopt-A-School program. And we started that because for 11 years, we have met in Buddy Taylor Middle School. I don't want to surprise anybody, but this really isn't a church building, okay? So this is a middle school cafeteria that's been transformed. And so we've had a great partnership over the past 11 years with the school here. And we've got great partnership with the administration. I meet with the principal monthly uh, for us to talk about ways that we can encourage each other. We can support them in what they are doing. And we have recruited different churches to support the 12 different public schools in our county. And what we've told those churches, here's the goal. Let the administration of that school, the teachers, the staff, the students, the families connected to that school, let them know that God is for them by how you serve them. The agenda is not to sneak in the back door and have a Christmas pageant uh, uh, on stage in front of all the students. That's not a horrible thing. That's not the agenda, though. Our agenda is to let those teachers, staff, students, administration, family know that God is for them simply by how we serve them. Doing everything from school beautification to mentoring projects to teacher appreciation events to all kinds of opportunities. There are many opportunities that we have to do that. And so we're seeking to expand what we're doing with uh, Buddy Taylor Middle School and encouraging all of our churches to do that with their schools. And we are starting to serve our administration at a new level. So I don't know if you're aware, I don't know if you follow any of the school board things that are going on right now, but we recently had a new superintendent that was voted in several weeks ago. Her name is Miss Lashaka Moore. Miss Moore is an amazing leader, and I've had the privilege of knowing her um, uh, over the past few years and getting to know her better. And uh, I recently had a conversation with her about how we can continue this partnership, how we as churches can support our local schools in, in a higher level. And think about that. Think about what's happening in the United States and think about churches supporting schools. Where does that happen? It doesn't happen a whole lot. There, there are some small spots around the United States where that happens, and we are one of them. And so we're super excited about that. And then we invite you to partner with us. We also have um, some school board members that I encourage you to be praying for. So pray for Ms. Moore as she leads the charge. Pray for our school board members. We have two school board members that attend Epic Church and are active here regularly. We have three more school board members that we need to be praying for all of them in the task that they have of leading education in our community. So the great thing about those three steps is that they're happening right now, and you can be involved in that. 
Uh, our next 3G Sunday is coming up on October 22nd, and I hope you'll sign up for that. Help us be the church for our community. You can join a relief team right now and, and help us serve on an individual scale. Again, there's more opportunities for us to serve Buddy Taylor Middle School. Those will be coming and serve our administration in higher ways. I invite you to come to the school board meetings every third Tuesday of the month. So I've been going for the past several years to step into their world, to, to start pursuing them more. And some great things have happened out of that. My primary goal when I go to the school board meeting is to sit and smile and pray. And I want the school board members, I want the, our superintendent, I want the principals that are there, I want the teachers that are there to know, hey, there's somebody that's for me. I don't know who they're at or who they're all about. I don't know why that ball guy's smiling in the audience all the time. I don't know why he's here every month. But I'm there to pray for them. And hopefully, through that, let them know that God is for them. So I invite you to come be a part of that. Now, a good friend of mine, a good pastor friend of mine, has always said, extensive ministry is expensive ministry. And after 23 years of being in ministry, I understand the truth of that. Like, it really is true. And uh, what we're trying to do is expand ministry that will touch all of Flagler County and beyond. Again, it's a big vision that God has given us. And to engage this vision, we need to invest more of our financial resources in pursuing our community. So I want to tell you what our financial goals are over the next few years with our Imagine vision. So here they are. Our goal is to raise $8.4 million over the next two years. Let's all take a deep breath, okay? <laughs> that's a lot of money. If that's not a lot of money to you, I'd love to talk to you after the service. I'd love to build a relationship with you. Let me explain um, this 8.4. 3.4 million will help us with regular operational expenses and expand ministry. So our current annual budget is around $1.5 million. So if you stretch that over two years, that's 3 million. So we're seeking to extend that $400,000 in some of the efforts that we are doing in our community. And then the next part, that $5 million, will help us with building phase one of our building, of our new church home. And super excited about that. Uh, I'm going to explain more of these details over the next few weeks so that you can fully understand them. But does anybody want to see some pictures of our future home? Yeah. Okay, so here you go. Here's some pictures. All right, here's the outside of our facility. You can tell a, a sharp-looking uh, facility. On this side over here is entrance to our care and counseling ministries that will be active all week long. Then you go to the next picture here. See, this is our uh, lobby space and a nice large lobby space where, again, access to our care and counseling ministry through that side door throughout the week and then active throughout Sundays as well and heading into our auditorium. Then the next picture here. Here's a picture of our future auditorium. This is a 650-seat auditorium, and I encourage you to look closely at the seats. They are not benches. Okay, they're not benches, if you're excited about that. Okay, they're actually nice padded cushions. Okay, next, next picture. This is an example of one of our uh, children's ministry areas. Next picture. This is a sample of our middle school and high school ministry area. 
So just some pictures of uh, what's coming in the future and, and what we're working on right now uh, with the city for permitting. We're in that process right now and hope to be through that process here in the real near future. But after 14 years of renting, after 14 years of ministry to our community in some uh, interesting, limited ways and still being able to see God do some major things, is anybody excited to, to be in your own church home one day soon? Now, like I said, we're going to talk more about our building and our initiatives uh, over the next few weeks, but I want to point out one more thing from the stories that Jesus told. So through these stories, Jesus was telling us who God is pursuing, and he was also making it clear that pursuing people requires sacrifice. Pursuing people requires sacrifice. This shepherd had to sacrifice time, energy, and effort, and potentially his other sheep to find his lost sheep. The woman looking for her silver coin sacrificed time, energy, and effort to find her coin. And the father with the two lost sons, not just the one lost son, the two lost sons sacrificed all he had for them. Again, pursuing people requires sacrifice. And I believe God is calling us as a church family to sacrifice so more people can be found by him. Now, let me be clear who I'm talking to, okay? If you're exploring faith and you're trying to figure out what this whole God thing is all about and how having a relationship with him can, can benefit your life, I am so glad you're here and I hope that you'll continue exploring faith. And if you have questions about that, talk to me, talk to one of our staff members. We would love to have conversations with you about that. We would love to engage you in that spiritual journey. Um, but I'm not directly talking to you. I'm not asking you to sacrifice. If you're a Christ follower, and you're new to our church, you're trying to figure out whether this should be your church home or you're, you're new to our community and you're trying to find a church home, I'm glad you're here. And if our vision excites you, if it causes you to lean in, if you get excited about helping lost people be found by Jesus, then I invite you to join us in every way that you can through your time, talents, and your treasures. But I am primarily speaking to our church family. So if this is the church that you come to for regular spiritual nourishment, whether on campus or online, this is our opportunity to sacrifice so more people in our community can come to know Jesus and be transformed by him for all of eternity. And I think that's something worth sacrificing for. So as you begin to process that, listen to how just one family at Epic is sacrificing so we can pursue more people for Jesus. Watch this. So I started coming to Epic when my mom invited me. She kind of said, hey, do you want to try out going to church? And my first reaction was like most people who are like 18, 19 years old was no. And uh, when I found out that I could just kind of wear jeans and a t-shirt and I could wear a, a ball cap if I wanted to, that just kind of surprised me. And I thought, hey, maybe I'll give this place a chance then. And then um, I moved here in my early 20s, mid 20s, and I had my daughter with me and my parents were already going to Epic. And so we decided that we would go and try it out as well. And it just was a perfect fit. As soon as we walked in, it felt like home. I kept coming back because I really enjoyed having that spiritual consistency. I grew up going to church with my family from as far back as I can remember. And I had a season in my life where I stepped away and I distanced myself from God and after 
Going through some things in my personal life, I decided I needed to come back and I needed to have God in my life again. And walking in and just feeling so welcomed and comforting and or comforted. And um, just having all of the strong faith-based relationships in church there too with everyone at Epic is what's kept me coming back. I am so proud to share with people that Epic is for our community and our schools and that they partner with our schools and that they reach out to our kids and our community and they come into our schools and first day back as teachers, you know, there were people from Epic standing there saying, hi, how are you? Welcome back. We're so glad you're here. Amazing to know that you've got such a strong community of people behind you that have their beliefs set strong in faith and they're for you and they really are. It's not just something that Epic says, they show it in so many ways. So one thing I'm really excited about with Epic getting their own future home is just being able to host events. Uh, I mean, between kids ministry and men's events, the things they can do with their own building would just be unlimited and we could draw so many kids in, so many families in. One of the things that we did early on in our marriage was we decided that we wanted to give to the church and we weren't sure how to give or how much to give or anything like that and so when we took FPU through learning from Dave through all the steps and the baby steps and the process when we talked about budgeting and having our tithes we were like, oh my gosh, how can we do this? Is this possible? We sat down, we decided to do it, and as soon as we did that first tithe to church, it was miraculous, the changes that started happening in our lives. It was like, you know, we knew God was in our marriage, but once we really started to surrender even our monetary part of our marriage, it was a huge game change. For anybody who's not so sure about giving, I would just kind of try to remind them that everything comes from God. Uh, it's all in His hands and you're essentially just showing Him obedience by giving Him what belongs to Him back. Um, and through that, you can just have so much freedom. I know when we started giving, that freedom of like, okay God, here's all your finances. I'm going to do what you want me to do. I'm going to be obedient and let's see what you can do back. And when he uh, fulfilled his side and just started to help us with our finances, it, it just, it made life a lot easier, a lot less weight. Isn't that a, a great story, you know, from, feel free to, thank you for clapping for that. So I just love their story. And it's been a privilege to watch Josh and Courtney grow spiritually over the past few years. And, and they're all in. They're educators in our community. They're part of our church family. They serve in our children's ministry. And uh, Josh is a community group leader. He's actually my community group coach. I lead a men's group. And he's my coach for, for the group that I lead. And it's just a privilege to watch them be all in. They're, they're all in with sacrificing their time, their, their talents, and their treasures. And the cool thing is they don't see it as a sacrifice. They see it as an investment in our community and helping more people be found by Jesus. Now, on October 15th, we're going to have an opportunity as a church family to kind of follow Josh and Courtney's example. We're having what we're calling Commitment Sunday. And on that Sunday, our church family will come together and we will make a commitment. 
signifying what we intend to give over the next two years, and we'll be using intention cards for that, and I'll explain that over the next few weeks. But what I encourage you to do is to just start praying, God, what part do you want me to play in this? Again, this is your church family. This is an opportunity for us, myself included, for us to sacrifice so more people can be found by Jesus. And it's worth the sacrifice. It really is. So I encourage you to ask this question of God. God, what do you want me to sacrifice from the resources you've given me so people around me can be found by you? What, what do you want me to sacrifice so that other people can be found by you? As you think about that question, let me remind all of us of the sacrifice that God has paid so that we could be found by him. And I ask you to bear with me for just a minute because we're going to get serious real quick, okay? I'm going to connect God's sacrifice to a sacrifice we all understand. This past Monday was the 22nd anniversary of 9-11. If you were alive then, I'm sure you remember where you were on the day that our nation was attacked by terrorists who flew planes into the Twin Towers, into the Pentagon, and tried to fly another plane that ended up in Pennsylvania into another one of our national buildings. As thousands of people rushed away from those burning buildings, hundreds of first responders rushed towards those buildings. They rushed towards death to pursue people in need. And some of them sacrificed everything they had. They gave their lives so that other people could live. On United Airlines Flight 93, bound for a, another national building in DC, more courageous men and women decided to sacrifice their lives by fighting back against the terrorists so others could live. And just think about the context of that. So they, they could have stayed in that plane and just kind of hunkered down and thought, you know what, well, maybe we'll just land safely and maybe you know, they'll negotiate with these terrorists. But these folks on this plane were hearing about the other planes and what had happened. And they came to the conclusion, it's not gonna end well for us. So instead of sitting, they said, we're gonna fight back. We're gonna sacrifice so that more people aren't killed, so that this plane doesn't land in another building where more lives are sacrificed, and they fought back. One of those passengers, Todd Beamer, was heard saying, after he was hanging up with his wife on the phone, let's roll, moments before the plane went down in a field in Pennsylvania. So thinking about the sacrifice of those who gave their lives on that day, like it's hard to grasp. And those who are still sacrificing because their family members aren't here. Their family members sacrificed so someone else could live. Imagine what they're still walking through. It's been 22 years. But I guarantee you on this past Monday, they felt that very deeply, the sacrifice that was paid for other people. Think about this. 2,000 years ago, Jesus sacrificed his life for us. So when Satan hijacked humanity and was trying to take us all to hell with him, Jesus, God the Son, said to God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, let's roll. Jesus wrapped himself in human skin, stepped into planet Earth, allowed himself to be born as a baby, grew up, lived a perfect life, 
took my sin on his shoulders, took your sin on his shoulders, as if he had committed those sins and he allowed himself to die so we could live. So it it would be possible for us to have eternal life through a relationship with him. That's what Jesus did for us. The sacrifice he paid. And when I think about that, and I think about Romans 5.8, it just blows my mind, because Romans 5.8 says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. So Jesus didn't die when we were at our best. He died when we were at our worst. He didn't die because we deserved it. He died because he loved us that much. Again, you are that important to God, that God would sacrifice everything he has to find you, to make it possible for you and I to have a relationship with him that'll last forever. You are that important to God. Now, thankfully, most of us aren't called to sacrifice our lives. But I wonder, who are you willing to sacrifice so they can be found by God? Like, who are you willing to sacrifice for? Like, maybe you have a family member And maybe you've been praying for this family member to come to know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. And and maybe you're praying, like you've been praying for years. Is that the person you'd be willing to sacrifice so they, they can come to know Jesus? Or maybe you have a coworker who's a really nice person, but you know being a really nice person doesn't lead anyone to heaven. We don't get a relationship with God because we're just really nice people. We get a relationship with him because of what he has done for us. So would you be willing to sacrifice for that really nice coworker you have? Maybe have a neighbor who's not really nice and maybe they irritate you every time you interact with them, but, but maybe their whole world would change if they met Jesus. So would you be willing to sacrifice so that person who's hard to get along with could be transformed by Jesus? Again, who are you willing to sacrifice for? So someone just might be known by Jesus. On your seat, There are several cards. They're identical cards, look like this. They're called Imagine Three. And what I encourage you to do is grab that for just a second. There should be a pin there as well. And if you're watching online, there's a link in the comment section to these cards. And so for those on campus, what I encourage you to do is during our final song, I encourage you to write the first names of three people that you are praying for during this series for God to do something supernatural in. And maybe it's salvation, maybe it's healing, maybe it's reconciliation, maybe there's a broken relationship that needs to be restored, and you're praying that that will happen for this person during this time frame. So this series goes up to November 5th. So who would you be willing to pray for in that time frame to be radically changed by God? Write their first names. Please don't write their last names. Just write their first names. And then write what you're asking God to do in them. So. Write that on both of these cards. For one card, I encourage you to fold it after the service, put it in our giving box, and those cards will get to our elders, our prayer team, and our staff, and we will pray with you for them throughout this series. And then this card, the second card, I encourage you to take home with you and put it somewhere that it will remind you to pray for them on a regular basis. So again, what three people would you put on this card? On the front of this card on the bottom, it says, as God answers our imagined prayers for those people, email us at imagine at theepicchurch.com so that we can celebrate with you. So when something great happens in their lives and you see movement towards Christ, or you see movement towards healing, you see movement towards reconciliation, email us so that we can celebrate that with you.
So in just a minute, our worship team is going to close this out and you'll have a chance to fill out your card. But let me tell you one person on my card. So I have a friend who's kind of challenging, kind of hard to get along with. For years, I've invited him to church every Christmas and every Easter. Every time I go to his house and I knock on his door and I have one of our invitation cards and I hand it to him and he laughs, he makes some really crude joke (laughs) and he invites me into his house. And we have conversations uh, about his life and uh, he laughs again when I invite him to church. And then this past year, this past Easter, I said, I'm not gonna invite him. I've invited him for years. He always says, no, why would I go invite him again? I'm not gonna invite him. I saw him recently and said, hey, where were you this past Easter? I thought God forgot about me because you didn't invite me to church. So I invited him to church and he made a crude joke and he laughed. I said, you know what? Pursuing people requires sacrifice. So am I willing to put up with some crude jokes from this guy because I want him to meet Jesus and be transformed by him? Yes, I'm willing to put up with that. So I'm gonna keep inviting him to Easter and Christmas and every opportunity I have. So again, who's on your card? that you'll be praying for. Next week, we're gonna talk about how God wants us to serve our community. I invite all of you who have not had a chance to attend one of our vision meetings. Tonight is our last vision meeting. So over the past two months, we've had 14 vision meetings every Sunday night, every Wednesday night. And we've taken our whole church family, broken them into smaller groups, and we've invited everybody that we're in, in contact with to come to one of these meetings. If you haven't had a chance to come to one of these meetings, we're having our last one tonight here in this room at 6 p.m. If you're watching online, uh, you can, we'll be live streaming that um, meeting at theepicchurch.com. Just look for our watch online tab and you'll be able to watch it as well. So that'll be a, an opportunity for you to come in a more personal environment. You'll be able to ask some questions there. And uh, if you haven't done it, I invite you to do that. So if you would, let's pray. And then I encourage you to fill out your cards. So God, I'm so grateful that you, Jesus, pursued us. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, you are always pursuing us. Jesus, you left heaven to come pursue us, to sacrifice on our behalf so that we could be found by you, so that we could have eternal life by putting our faith and trust in you as our Lord and Savior. And you've asked us to do that for our community. Lord, we've seen at least 966 people make that decision over the past 14 years, but we have thousands of people in our community who don't know you. And we have more people moving here every day. So Lord, the mission you've given us is big. And Lord, I I just pray that you would rally all of us around this vision that you've given. I pray that we would go into our community and we would have the eyes that you have to see people the way that you see them and we would pursue them the way that you have pursued us. So Lord, thanks for pursuing us. Help us to pursue others. In Jesus' name, amen.